Since this is the NBA Big Board Podcast, and it is January 2nd, 2023, I think this is the perfect time to release or give you a sneak preview of my big board for the 2023 NBA Draft. Find out what surprises I have. Stay tuned. Happy New Year. Happy, happy New Year. Hope everybody had a safe New Year's Eve and a great start to 2023. And I wanted to thank you. Yes, you, the listener, and each and every listener that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And even if it's your second, third, or fourth listen, I just want to thank you for listening because the NBA Big Board podcast did over 1 million downloads in 2022 i'm beyond grateful and thankful and appreciative for each and every listen when i started my podcast in 2020 i started it probably around april 2021 the world kind of shut down and i i did have like aspirations of of having a pretty decent following but i even in my wildest dreams i didn't think i'd have over a million downloads in in a calendar year in just two years. So I'm very, very thankful to each and every person that has made listening to the NBA Big Board podcast a priority. All right. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That is prizepicks.com and the promo code locked on all right once again happy new year this is your host rafael barlow the director of scouting for nba big board and the founder of nba draft junkies i'm excited that it's the new year i'm excited that we are headed into conference play and i'm excited that we are about a little less than seven months away from the 2023 nba draft so all the film work and studying and podcasts and all that stuff that I've been doing over the past few months. We are now seven months away, just give or take a few days from the actual draft. And a lot can change between now and then. But in this episode, I am going to give you my top 10 prospects. This is purely based off of my opinion. I didn't search out feedback from NBA scouts, there will be a time for that. But one of the things I wanted to do in 2023, I guess more so for my NBA Big Board newsletter, was to um, use my opinion a lot more. My newsletter has a lot of intel from scouts, and I'm still going to use that um, just for the the readers that prefer um, basically just kind of hearing the, the, the intel on different scouts. But I'm going to... Give a little bit more of my personal opinion, which I usually do on the podcast, and a little bit, uh, I'll probably keep the same as far as with the the intel from the different scouts, because it's always cool to get different opinions, and I think it's even cool that I've I've had NBA scouts and executives tell me that they listen to the podcast, so um, just so much to be thankful for. All right, let's just get right 
into it. The number one player on my big board for the 2023 NBA draft is... There's no surprise here. It is Victor Wimbanyama. And I've talked about Wimbanyama several times. I mean, probably too much. (laughs) But, I mean, he's a generational talent. And what I really like about Wimbanyama this year is not just the jump that he's made from last year, but just the overall confidence that he plays with. I mean, he is shooting one leg shots. He is doing so many different things that he wasn't allowed to do last year. I mean, it's it's almost like when you watch the film from Asvel to the Metropolitans, you see a totally, totally different player. I think that he is one year ahead of my personal schedule that I had him on. I really thought this would be a year where he'd average you know, maybe 16 points, eight rebounds, and a couple of blocks. I didn't see total domination in the French League. He's leading the league in points, rebounds, blocks. I think he's third in minutes played. And he has shown just a, a different level of shot making and skill set that we just didn't see last year. And now here's the thing about Wimbenyama that. I don't know if enough people are taking into account when you watch his his game film or his highlights this year is he's had to create a lot of offense on his own and it has led to some questionable shot selections and you know the one leg three pointers and and crazy ball handling stuff I mean that's ridiculously impressive and you know his confidence has led to some questionable shot selection but one of the things about Wimbenyama and his dominance this year that has really stood out to me is the fact that he hasn't been able to get a lot of easy looks generated from teammates. He's had to create a lot of his own shots. And how often do we see a guy 7-5 creating his own shots off the perimeter? He doesn't have the the strength to, to really be a effective. I mean, he is an effective post player, but he doesn't have the strength right now to maximize his footwork and touch around the rim in the post. So he's had to do a lot of stuff on the perimeter. But the thing about Wimbayama's game that has stood out to me that I think is going to really go to another level in the NBA is he has not been able to take advantage of his ridiculous length and athleticism as a vertical lob threat. Tremont Waters is, you know, I mean, if you follow Tremont Waters, you know that he is a scorer. He's a scorer first. He is a shot maker. He is looking to get buckets first and second. He's not your traditional point guard. And and due to his lack of size, he may not be able to make certain reads to get Wimbayama easy looks in the pick and roll. And with all the shooting displays and touch and handles and everything that Wimbayama has shown this year, I think he's going to be even more dynamic once he gets to the NBA where he's used as a vertical lob threat. And then, of course, once he adds strength, he's going to be, I think, a really difficult matchup in the post. So without a doubt, Victor Wimbayama is the number one player on my big board. So sorry if you were looking for a surprise at the top. I don't have one. Number two, Scoot Henderson. And what I've been impressed with with Scoot so far this season is his improved shooting. Last year, he shot 21% from three. 
This year, he is, as of today, he is at 47% from three on a decent amount of attempts per game. And that is very impressive because it's obvious that he's put in the work. Unfortunately, he's been injured. He missed like close. I want to say it's like a little more than a month of action from being in concussion protocol. And he had like a nasal injury. But since he's been back, he has made two game winning shots in his last three games. So outside of the improved shooting and all the other skills he brings to the table as far as just his ball handling his his pace and his ability to get whatever he wants on the floor off the dribble I have been really impressed with his clutch shot making the mindset to take clutch shots and that's that's the key for me like there's certain guys you see that are afraid of the moment and there are guys that want the ball in the big moments and as a 18 year old who was playing professional basketball for the second year in a row. He does have this poise and maturity that is advanced, but he is a guy that is just not afraid of the moment. He wants the ball, and again, two game winners in his last three games. I mean, there's some guys that don't get two game winners for an entire career. And not only has he hit two game winners, but he has done this coming off missing literally like a month of time. So, I mean, that that's just a, a level of, of confidence and fearlessness that you can't really teach, and he has it in him. Now, if there is a concern that I have about Scoot so far is he is only shooting like 55% at the rim. He has too much game and 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 athleticism and, and big hands he has so many advantages that you have to wonder why does he struggle finishing at the rim and it's it's similar to last year last year he shot i want to say 52 percent at the rim and here's a crazy stat last year he only made 42 percent of his layups what so for a guy that is athletic as he is and as gifted as he is that is a little bit of a concern now, to put it into context, I'll use Saban Lee, for example. Saban Lee is, you know, obviously he's older. He's had some NBA experience, had college experience, but he is a crazy athletic guard that loves to get downhill, has a shaky jump shot, so you know most of his damage is coming in the paint. Saban Lee is shooting 73% at the rim this year. So that is a little bit concerning for me that Scoot is as inefficient around the rim as he is despite his ridiculous physical gifts and the ability to get to the rim whenever he wants to get there all right when we return i'll talk about a few of the other prospects in my top 10 but let's talk about prize picks which is today's title sponsor and if you don't know what prize picks is all you have to do is pick two to six players and you decide if they will score more or less than their prize picks projection and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry, there is no competing against other people. It's just you first to projections. And Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you want NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, college basketball for men's and women, soccer, esports, golf, MMA, boxing. They even have cricket. And the entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. They are safe and fast withdrawals, and it is currently operational in over 30 states 
So all you have to do is download the Prize Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. If you are a first-time user, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. All right. Once again, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow. All right. The number three prospect on my big board to start 2023 is it maybe a surprise to some. And actually, you know what? Three and four are the same player. Well, not officially the same player. But they're as close to the same player as you can get. They are the identical twins, Amon and Asor Thompson. I have them ranked three and four on my big board. What I love about the Thompson twins is their outlier athleticism and their playmaking and their defensive potential. They have size. They have length. They have all the physical tools it takes to be dominant defenders on the next level. But here's why. I have them ranked three and four on my big board. Usually, if you go with the consensus, you see Amin as a better prospect than a sword. And I mentioned it before on a previous podcast. I had a conversation with an NBA executive about the Thompson Twins. And his question to me was, which one did I think was better? And I mentioned that I thought Amin was better, but I didn't see a big gap. And he mentioned that he doesn't see a difference. And he feels like... Amin is getting the reputation as the better prospect because he has the ball in his hands more. But this executive felt like it's just based off opportunity. So when I did some research and looked at the stats, the stats aren't, I mean, they're very similar. They're almost the same player. And it makes me wonder if they swapped roles. Like I can't tell the difference between the two, especially when you're watching on film and sometimes it isn't the best quality film they look the exact same to me and if they swapped roles and numbers and Amin was in Asur's jersey and they swapped roles I don't think you would be able to tell the difference between the two now I am the son of a twin so I, I know how twins can play tricks I mean when I was a little kid my mom and her twin sister used to stand next to each other and tell me to come to mom and I would be so confused. So I know twins can actually play different tricks or games. And I wonder if they did that, if they swapped roles and, and Jersey numbers and I'm in played off the ball and a sore played as the primary ball handler. I don't think you'd be able to tell the difference. And even if you look at the stats, I'm has 62 assists and 40 turnovers while a has 51 assists and 31 turnovers. Asur has a higher assist-to-turnover ratio and has only 11 less assists than his twin brother, who is considered the better playmaker of the two, despite having fewer possessions, and he's played one less game. So I do not think that there is much of a difference. Another thing that they have similar, which is a concern of mine, is they have not really grown as shooters, especially off the catch. I think that... There is some promise for them as shooters off the dribble. They're much better with a rhythm than shooting off the catch. So that helps me 
feel like there is some touch and there is some hope for them as shooters. I mean, they're still young. They're 20 years old, so it's not like they're close to being the finished product. But both struggle off the catch. Both are shooting below 21% or 28% from three and 31% off um, catch-and-shoot jumpers. So, obviously, they're going to have to put in a lot of work on their jump shot heading into the draft. I'm a little disappointed from the progress from this year. I thought they'd make a little bit of a jump. And, you know, you look at Scoot, who was already – I mean, Scoot was a better shooter last year, especially as a pull-up shooter. But Scoot only shot 21% from three last year with the NBA line, and he has upped it, I mean, like 20 percentage points this year. And a small sample size, about eight games. But he has shown the progression that you like. The Thompson Twins have not shown – progression as a shooter and even as a foul shooter they're average I mean I think uh I'm in a shoot like 73 percent so there is some there is some questions about their overall shooting touch but one of the reasons I'm so high on them outside of their athleticism is that I think that even on an off shooting night they have enough intangibles to impact games and score in multiple ways without being able to shoot the ball whether it's as transition finishers, defenders, being able to get downhill and get to the rim. And the only, you know, the the, the the biggest question mark is obviously their shooting. And I feel like if they hit, like if I'm going to swing for the fences and if they max out their potential, I think that their ceiling is higher than most of the other prospects in the in this class outside of Scoot. And win Benyama. All right, at number five. Now, this is where it is the biggest surprise. My number five prospect is G.G. Jackson. So you're probably like, Raphael, are you crazy? And maybe I'm a little crazy. And like I mentioned with the Thompson Twins, I believe in, in like upside. And I feel like if I'm going to swing for the fences, I think if Gigi Jackson maximizes his potential, his upside is as high as anybody outside of Wimbayama and Scoot Henderson. And another factor for me having Gigi Jackson so high, I believe that if he stayed in his normal class and if he was in the 2024 draft, I think he would be the top pick in that draft. So I feel like if you're an NBA team, you're getting a guy that you probably wish you would have that you would draft number one in 2024, you can get him in 2023 with a with a top five pick. So I'm really high on Gigi Jackson. The numbers are are good, even though he's playing on a team that I expect to really really struggle in SEC play. He's doing a lot of it on his own. But I actually think from a development standpoint, it wasn't a bad idea to go to South Carolina. Let, let's say he stayed at North Carolina where he committed to. His role would be significantly reduced. He'd be coming off the bench, and he'd be expected to basically shine and impress scouts in a very, very limited role. I mean, I look at Jairus Walker right now, who a lot of people still have as, as a top 10 pick. And, I mean, he had a game where I think he was scoreless this weekend. Well, I believe that Gigi Jackson's role would be even smaller than Walker's role because he is – playing behind Armando Baycott and, you know, this North Carolina team that's pretty much bringing everybody back. So I think it was great for developmental 
um, perspective. He's able to play freely. He's able to play through his mistakes. He's able to learn how to be the, the focal point of an offense, which I think there is a possibility that he could be a top guy in the NBA. I love the fact that he has the athleticism to be able to play a role in the NBA as a role man or even as a you know, a, a guy that scores off dump-offs around the basket. But he's shooting 37% from three. So I see him as a potential inside and outside scoring threat. But my favorite attribute is his ball handling and his upside as a shot maker off the dribble. He has the handles of a wing, and he can make tough turnaround shots. He can shoot off the dribble. Even though the numbers aren't necessarily there from an efficiency standpoint, I'm just intrigued with the skill set. And I like how he has the mindset. I mean, he, he just turned 18 on December 17th. But when he was a 17-year-old freshman, he had the mindset to post up guys that he thought were weaker players. If there was a mismatch where they had a smaller guard on him, he took him to the post. And I think once he gets stronger, he's going to be a really, really good low post scorer. So I see him as a weapon. I see him as a big-time weapon that can be an inside-outside scoring threat. He can be, like I said, a pick-and-pop guy. He can be a vertical lob threat, a roll man. But I'm very intrigued with his potential as a shot creator. Now, there are some concerns about his assist numbers. But who is he passing to? Who is he passing to at South Carolina? And he's... 18 years old. He's going to be 18 on draft day. And I think if you're a team, you, you you have an opportunity to get a guy that you would probably take number one and, and the, if you would have stayed in school or high school another year. So very, very high on G.G. Jackson. Again, I'd have G.G. Jackson as a top five pick. Now, if you start to see this later on in the season, remember, and I was probably one of the first people to have him this high, but there are some that believe that the numbers are going to struggle or the numbers are going to be really impacted once we get to conference play and South Carolina is going to lose a lot of games and, and they believe like his flaws as he has a tendency to take questionable shots are going to be even on a bigger display, but I'm still taking him as a top five pick. All right. Let's talk about Built Bar. I haven't talked about Built Bar in a while. And if you are looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and calories, then you have to try a Built Bar, especially if you have these New Year's resolutions where you want to get healthier and lose some weight, but you want to eat something that's tasty, you got to go for a Built Bar. I know for me, I want to I want to lose this. I want to trim down a little bit. Just had a son and starting to get the dad bod and I do not want the dad bod but we just got through the holidays and like i said i know my goal is to eat a little healthier and if you're like me and you want to eat healthier but you don't want to compromise taste then you gotta try a built bar because with a built bar healthy it's actually tasty and built bars are so delicious that you won't even think they're good for you so they're perfect for your new year's resolution and you're wondering what makes built bar so good well for starters they're covered with 100 real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how they do it, but the bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar. 
with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now, you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. And I've even seen Built Bars at Lifetime Fitness. That's right. So if you hit your nearest Walmart, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's, you can run and grab a 13 bar box with our hit flavors, brownie, batter and churro. And you can thank me later. So go to Built.com. All right, last segment, time to wrap it up with the players six through 10 on my big board. At number six, I have Keontae George. And what I like about Keontae is his promise as a three-level scorer. Now, I know if you're looking at the raw numbers, you're seeing he struggles with efficiency. He's only shooting 37% from the floor. But I believe in the shot making. I believe in his ability to just get to his spots and elevate over the top and shoot over defenders. And I just love guys, and I, I, I can be biased here, but I love guys that can get to their sweet spots. And I believe George is going to be a microwave scorer in the NBA that can play both guard spots. He can play on or off the ball. He can score off the catch and coming off pin downs and action plays. And he is developing uh, as, as a passer. I think one of the knocks on him coming into the season was he was a little selfish and a guy that looked for his own offense more than he looked for teammates, but I think he's addressed some of those rumors. Now, here's something that's pretty crazy. I recently spoke with a scout from an NBA team. Now, this team is probably not in position to draft Keontae George if everything goes according to plan for for them as a team and for Keontae as a prospect. But he mentioned that their analytical or their analytics department has a module where they do projections. And the projections are based off the player's age, the statistics, and, and so many different factors. Keontae George was ranked number one on their prospect module, even over Victor Wimbayama. So the scout that I spoke to was surprised by that, but he said anal- analytically, despite the inefficiency, based off their projections, Keontae George is the top pick <laughs> in the 2023 NBA draft. And I doubt if they would take him Number one, if they had the number one pick, but based off their analytics, he is the top guy. Now, it's weird because, like, for me, when I look at Keontae, I look at the eye test more than the raw the raw numbers. I think he's a much better shooter than the raw numbers. And his shooting, to me, was, like, his greatest strength coming into the season, and he's really struggled with it, except on catch-and-shoot jumpers especially like when he's open, according to Synergy, when he is left open on catch-and-shoot jumpers, he has a 72% effective field goal percentage. But outside of that, he's just been an average shooter. And it's going to be interesting to see in the second half of the season if the shooting number starts trending up. If they do, then I definitely see him as a guy that could potentially enter the top five. But I have him at number six. All right, at number seven, I have Nick Smith jr and nick smith has only played in five games and if you really want to narrow it down it hasn't even been five games there was one game where he played like three minutes and then there was another game where he left the game early due to injury but in the three games that he played without a minutes restriction 
He averaged 19 points per game. He showed why he's such a highly touted prospect. He showed this amazing touch around the rim, showed that he can score from all over the floor, and just showed like this smooth pace and this game that just looks so effortless. Like he makes it look so easy when he's trying to get to his sweet spots on the floor. You have to like his size. He's 6'5 with a 6'9 wingspan. He showed some ability to to make the right reads as a passer. Sky's the limit for Nick Smith Jr. But he's got to stay healthy. Now, he's only played five games this year, like I said, really three games. And he's – we don't know what's wrong. It's just it, – everything you've read is a right knee issue. Right now he's out indefinitely with this right knee issue they're saying his discomfort. He missed the first few games with right knee management. Like, I don't know what it is. And at this point, you have to wonder, have we seen the last of Nick Smith? Is he going to shut it down? Like, what's what's going on? Is it something that, I mean, we don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's so vague. We don't really know. So I still believe if all is well and he's healthy, and even though, he, I mean, you can say that he had to have been rusty. I mean, if he had right knee issues, so I can't imagine he practiced or played a lot. But in the three games where he played, like I said, without a minute's restriction, considering that he was rusty, I thought he looked really, really good. And you can say that he may have shown enough if you factor in the rust to be a top three pick. Right now, I have him at number seven. But it would be interesting to see if we see Nick Smith Jr. in an Arkansas uniform again all right at number eight I have Brandon Miller and I've talked about it before at length Brandon Miller was the most divisive prospect coming into this season and you can make a case and say he still is pretty divisive and ranking him at number eight on my board could be something that really haunts me down the line he has been shooting lights out from three through 13 games he's averaging 19 points nine rebounds making 45 percent of his three-pointers and he's shooting a lot of threes. Over 53% of his field goal attempts this year are from three. And then once you factor in that he's shooting them off the dribble, he is the main focus of the scouting part in the defense because you want to run him off the line. And he's still knocking down threes at a high clip. I mean, you, you have to be impressed. And you have to say that he's been the best college basketball prospect this season at least the best freshman um, so I think he's done a lot for himself as far as improving his draft stock to the people that weren't very high on him but here is my concern about Brandon Miller Jr. Or not Brandon Miller Jr. I'm sorry Brandon Miller maybe my expectations for him based off of his physical tools are a little bit higher than a lot of people I see a guy that's 6'9", that moves like a wing, can handle the ball some, has all the physical tools to be a Paul George type player. Not not as bouncy or as athletic as Paul George, but I think he has the tools to be that type of player. Maybe like a Paul George minus the athleticism. 6'9", like I said, can elevate over the top. I thought that one of his greatest strengths coming into this season was his ability to make mid-range pull-up jumpers off the dribble. He's only attempted like 14 jump shots inside of the three-point line. I think that's more related to 
Alabama's offense. They probably want him only, you know, basically following the analytics, only one of them shooting threes are going to the rim. But that is the big concern. He's only shooting 37% on layups. He has really struggled with finishing through contact, really struggled with finishing any contested layup. That is a concern for me because I think that he has the tools to be a three-level scorer. Well, right now in college, you can say he's a one-level scorer and it's all shooting threes. But you still have to like the fact that, again, he can handle the ball some. But I'm just a little bit disappointed in his lack of finishing at the rim. Maybe it has to do with spacing. I think once he gets stronger, he should be able to improve. But the angles are bad. It's just something about the finishing at the rim that has me a little bit concerned about his long-term potential. Um, but at the very minimum, I think he can be totally fine if he ends up being a 6'9", three-point sniper. Now, the question is the 45% from three. When it, when you start off the season, I said there's no way he's going to be able to sustain those numbers. And so far through January, as of January 2nd, he has. So, It'll be curious, or it'll be interesting for me to see what the, the final percentage is from, from three as the season goes on. All right, number nine, Cam Whitmore. What I like about Cam Whitmore is, I mean, I like his frame. I like the physical tools. I like the motor. And Whitmore is a guy that coming into the season, there were several scouts that I spoke to that thought he was the third best prospect in this draft behind Wimbayama and Scoot Henderson. They thought that he had a very good chance to be the top NCAA player in this draft class. Well, similar to Nick Smith Jr., he's missed time. Um, he had surgery on, I believe it was his thumb in October, and he's, he's been a little rusty. Since he's come back, he's played seven games, he has shown flashes of his potential, but he's also shown that he just looks a little rusty and maybe a little heavy-footed. Hopefully, hopefully, it's just me seeing that, but he just seems a little bit heavy-footed. Um, but overall, you have to love the energy. I think he is, at the very minimum, going to be an effective scorer around the rim. He has the strength to just shed through defenders and finish through contact. He's athletic, and like I said, he just plays hard. That's, that's a skill set to me, the fact that he plays hard. So I think he's going to be okay. The biggest concern for me right now is, number one, the shooting, which I didn't I didn't think that the shooting he, he displayed at the under-18s this summer where he shot 45% from three. I did not think that he would carry that hot shooting throughout the whole season. But right now, he's only shooting 28% from three, and he's only shooting 30% on jump shots overall. So the question is, how good of a shooter is he? Obviously, he has plenty of time to develop into a shooter. He's young. I mean, he's very young for his class. I mean, there are guys that are in high school that are older than him. But I think the shooting for him opens up everything else. Now, as a driver, he is a straight-line driver, not really a lot of shake and bake, gets straight to, I mean, he's looking to go straight to the rack, get downhill, but he 
has a tendency to play out of control, has a tendency to just barrel through defenders, doesn't really change directions off the dribble. But I think his success in the NBA is going to be directly related to how well he shoots because if he's knocking down open shots, then that's going to open up him to be able to attack the rim on straight line drives. And then he's definitely going to be a guy that crashes the offensive glass and gets rebounds. Very interesting player, a unique skill set. But I am a little bit concerned, at least based off of this season, about about the, the jump shot. All right, at number 10, the last player that I have in my top 10 for my big board to start 2023 is Kaysen Wallace. And what I like about Kaysen is his defense and his efficiency. He has, number one, he's lived up to the hype as a really good defender and as a guy that is very polished and well-balanced on offense. He's been efficient from the floor, shooting over 50% shooting 47% from three. And I think he had a game this year where he shot like two of 13 and like one of six from the floor. I don't remember exactly which team it was, but if you take away that game, he's shooting 50% from three. How often have we seen a guy shoot 50% from from three um, through January? And I just think that he is a, a player that I could even regret having him as low as number 10. His game has always been about substance. It's never been about flash. He's playing in this this equal opportunity system in a sense at Kentucky. And Kentucky does have a track record of limiting their gifted offensive talents. So there is a chance that he has a whole lot more game than he's able to show. You can really make a case and say, why is Keontae George over Cason Wallace? Why is Nick Smith over Cason Wallace? I, those are arguments that I would totally understand. I think there is a perception that his upside is not as high. He doesn't have the same ceiling because he's so good at different things right now. And that's something only time will tell. But here's the biggest question mark right now that is really making me scratch my head is that one, he doesn't get to the free throw line a lot. He's only getting to the foul line two times per game. He has 26 free throw attempts in 13 games. Now he's shooting 50% from the floor. He's shooting 47% from three on five attempts per game. So the volume is is there. It's a healthy amount of attempts. But he's only shooting 57% from the free throw line. That is weird to me. Now, there have been players in the past that had really high or very respectable three-point shooting percentages in college. But the free throw percentage was average at best. And then once they got to the NBA, it sort of evened out to where their three-point shooting numbers were, or basically their free throw percentage was more accurate in describing, I'm at a loss of words, but their free throw percentage was a more accurate indicator of their shooting touch than their three-point shooting percentage was in college. Jamias Ramsey is the first name that, that comes to mind. He shot lights out at Texas Tech, wasn't a great free throw shooter, wasn't a really good shooter inside the arc, and has kind of struggled finding his his role in the NBA. I think he was either, I think he was like one of the first picks in the second round. And um, right now he's he's currently in the G League. Not saying that's the case with Kaysen, but I do think that in conference play, the gap between his ridiculously high three-point shooting percentage and his low free throw percentage, I think that they they will meet somewhere in the middle. 
but it'd be interesting to see if he's able to sustain the 47% shooting from three. Well, that wraps up this episode. Stay tuned for more episodes where I will finish out my big board, but that was just my top 10 for the day. Again, I hope everybody had a happy new year. Your new year's off to a great start. I'm again, thankful for all the downloads and listens in 2022. Now my goal is to double it. I want to do at least 2.4 million downloads in 2023. And thank you again for making this your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, check out the game to game podcast. Every moment, every performance, every, every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only locked on can deliver. So follow Game to Game, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, I am Rafael Barlow, and I am out. <laughs>